NC Comic Con, how are you guys doing? On behalf of the event organizers, I want to welcome you to NC Comic Con 2015. Uh, we hope you're having a blast. If you have any questions or need assistance at any time, you can look for one of our volunteers in an orange henchman t-shirt. And uh, one special reminder, don't forget to check out the full listing of panels in the program. And uh, that also includes workshops and special events. Also, tonight, um, we're having Guardians of the Gala, cosplay ball at the Armory starting at 8 p.m. Uh, my name is Chris Nielsen. I'm a part of Name Redacted Podcast. Um, the panel you're at right now. Um, this afternoon, we're happy to welcome three exceptional creators who will demonstrate how drawings and composition can be rendered down to their essential components in order to tell a suck. That's a powerful story. <laughs> um, the next panel after this is going to be web comics. That starts at 2 p.m. And if you guys are interested, we're hosting a Star Wars panel over at the Armory at 145. And he's going to be there with us. Go, I guess. My own people are shushing. All right. Uh, Bernard is on uh, Batman Beyond right now for DC Comics, a monthly book. And so that's kind of your monthly uh, gig right now, right? Yes. And then Cliff, right now you're on Paper Girls? Yep. Yeah. JP's working on a... Can Most, you even yeah. talk about it? Uh, yeah, I'm working on a Batman book and uh, also most, mostly covers. Mostly covers. <clears throat> Sheriff of Babylon and Ninth Wave. So, um, yeah, I wasn't planning on moderating or anything, okay. so just... <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself, but I think... Man, Bernard, that was really tight on your head. <laughs> Is it red? No, but you've got like a nice You've got like a race right yeah. out across yeah. your head. It's cutting the blood off. I was yeah. falling asleep. So, um... <laughs> well, how could we start? What do you think? Like, I don't know. I would say with... When, when people, well, this is what, sim, art of simplicity, I'd say. Yeah. So where I would start is, what does that even mean to you guys? Um, you know, and what does it mean? Are you driven by deadlines to make it simple? Is it a conscious choice? Is it, is it creative? You know, is it that kind of stuff? Why don't we, each one of us, like, try and address that and yeah. then maybe take it from there? Yeah. You want to start? Um, I, I like the idea of simplicity. I think it's sort of an efficiency in storytelling. You want your work to have an impact and be immediately readable. So for me, simplicity is the best way of getting towards that. I, I like all different kinds of art. There's some art I like that's very, very complicated and, and very detailed. Um, but for my own work, I find that the less I do um, in terms of like rendering and that sort of thing, the more it reads to when you know when you're reading it the more the emotion comes across quickly and you're actually much more immersed in the story rather than you know looking at how well something might be drawn so for me when i'm drawing comics i really do want people to be in the moment um but if i'm doing an illustration i can kind of take a step back from that and try and do something that you know texturally might feel you know a little bit uh more you know complex John? <laughs> We're skipping you? Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I've always been really attracted to simple images um, that can communicate um, a lot. So I remember when I was, uh, at, I was at SVA, 
um, there was a, like a student lounge and um, someone had left like some drawings lying around um, from, a, from a teacher who I had yet to study with whose name was uh, Jack Potter. And his whole, Jack's whole thing was drawing shapes and not thinking of um, uh, the human figure um, as uh, a human figure, but basically just as a composition of shapes. And I saw these drawings, and they were just like quick five-minute poses, and they were so simple. Um, but my mind um, just automatically knew what I was looking at. And I mean, like really, like, like see if I can remember, like, an example. Really simple drawings. Like, for example, like, this is just like off the cuff, but can anyone see that? Everyone see that line mm -hmm. back there? You can see that? Okay. So, Are you going to sell that afterwards? <laughs> I'm going to give it away. Oh, even better. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just like, you know, a rough example of how simple this drawing was. But these are just shapes. A hair shape, a face shape, whatever. You can look at it probably upside down and it'd still be kind of interesting. It's almost like a map. Um, but I knew exactly what I was looking at. And that was so attractive to me. I was like, oh shit, I gotta take this guy's class. Because, you know, just a few lines, a few shapes can communicate, you know, something that I see every day that really intrigued me. So, I mean, that, from there, like, I really, like, like, got really interested in simplicity and it was right around that time that I discovered the work of Alex Toth, which was like the perfect timing. Because <coughs> he was a yeah, he was a comics a comics guy who was into like stripping things down um, and making things really like just distilling things to just as few marks as possible. Um, so, anyway, you're up. Uh, simplicity for me in terms of comics. Um, not so much drawing for these guys. Uh, for me, I tend to, when I read the script or a plot, um, the writer will write you know, a bunch of stuff. And then I'll just break it down into a few words. So-and-so looks at so-and-so. Um, how they're feeling, context of emotion. And basically, it's, it's trying to break it down to the core root of whatever that scene is on that page or on sequence of pages and then expanding from that again to rebuild the scene back up. Um, 
for me, if I find it, it clarifies things for me easier. It makes it easier, and I, I'm able to get the basic core aspect of the story across more efficiently. Um, the drawing and everything else is um, uh, the next phase um, in terms of interpreting the story. But I like to, for me, simplifying things is just be clear about the story. Um, whatever I draw uh, services the story as opposed to having a, um, a pretty picture to look at and, and kind of uh, ogle uh, over. Yeah. Right. So um, it's really about reading the story as opposed to looking at the, the picture. Yeah, that reminds me. As far as like storytelling, like one of the things that Walt Simonson, like one of the first things that he always said was, and it's such a simple idea, and I think it's a good, for me, I still do it. Like um, when I'm approaching the layout to a story, when I read a script, the first thing I'll do is um, try and figure out what's the most important panel on this page for the story. And just maybe like mark it, and that'll be the biggest panel on the page. Such a simple idea that I think totally like helps me. Like in the beginning, in the beginning, you read a script. There's so much stuff you could you could really get lost in all these like, especially if you're using reference and stuff. And oh, I want to break this up into three different panels to show this action. But if you just, for me, I need a very sort of simple state of mind. And that just that idea of just the most important panel is the biggest, which is, works. Yeah, that's something I've done as well. I don't, I don't remember if it was Walt who said that, but having you know, a panel that you, that you consider the biggest really anchors the page, and then you can kind of figure out the ones around it and, and what you're going to put into them and how much you're going to focus on them. You, know, you might, instead of, you know, we talk about simplicity, maybe the idea of just cropping something to just like a hand or a gun or that kind of thing, where it becomes, the storytelling becomes more abstract, but it's actually very... Um, readable because of that. Yeah. Instead of seeing like the whole figure and, and background and everything. Yeah, a lot of a lot of um, comic book artists when they first start out, uh, you know, they'll bring stuff over and, and I'll ask them about their process, and they'll show me the first thing they do is they, they already make these the panel shapes on the page and I'm like that's that's the wrong step to do because you're already confining everything. First thing is to choose what are the important moments on that page or in that sequence draw and sketch those out. Those might define a horizontal or vertical shape. And then the rest of the other story elements are subordinate to that. And you, you try to fit them into whatever else uh, real estate is left on that page. You know, sometimes uh, the big money shot, the action shot on that page is vertical. Everything else has to be horizontal. And so some of these other ones, you have to figure out um, ways to make that what might be a vertical action sequence work horizontally, which would be maybe just tilting the camera slightly. Um, or sometimes the biggest panel may be an establishing shot. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an action shot. You know, a lot of times in comics we think, oh, the biggest panel has to be like this, the hero or something, some money shot. But sometimes it could be a shot of a real important like, um, room in the story or something. I tend to find like... Establishing shots also, um, the more you can put into that one panel, um, really helps reaffirm the reader as they go through that sequence when they're reading the story. Yeah. And the details, the, the magic about comics is, unlike a movie or television show, is 
although in a movie, you know, you can go back and rewind and go forward, fast forward. In the comics, it's instantaneous, really. You can just go back and forth, and you can stay on a panel for as long as you want. And that's the other thing is like, you know, in terms of concept and simplifying, um, there are reasons for making one panel extremely crowded with illustration and artwork, and another panel very open and simple. Um, and that's because I want maybe the reader to spend more time on one aspect as opposed to another one. And then having even a simple panel or open panel right next to a panel with a lot of detail creates a, an instant impact. Sometimes the, the simpler panel has an even greater like right. draw to that. Um, and all the panels with all these little scribble on it really just begins to fade away. Yeah, and also like um, another thing that that I find really just interesting visually is artists who can balance really spare simplicity with 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 detail. Um, uh, I'm thinking of Sergio Topi, an Italian artist who is really like very he's very good at using um, negative space um, against highly textured and very detailed. Um, Areas that are almost like uh, um, patterns. Um, they're so abstract. But, you know, the, his drawing is very abstract by nature. But he, he balances the, that complexity with white, you know, and it really is very effective to lead your eye around. Um, you know, the use of white and negative spaces, I think, something that, that um, is not really used as much as it could be effectively in comics. Um, a lot of comics artists, myself included, I, I feel like you know if I got a lot of space, I need to fill it. Um, but you know, a lot of times, I remember Walter. Actually, speaking of Walter, there was one um, double-page spread I think in, in his Fantastic Four series, where I forgot what the story was, but somehow the FF were in another like uh, in a parallel universe or time travel or I don't know something. Anyway, the story called for a double-page spread. That was basically um, two white pages with like a character, maybe like a dot in the corner. <laughs> um, and you know, he got paid storytelling, you know, for those two white pages. Uh, and uh, and yeah, and his explosions were always really effective. Like to this day, like Walter's explo explosions are a good example of like what I'm talking about with like the use of um, uh, white and complexity. So, oh, auction piece number two. <laughs> so he'll do stuff. I mean, I'm sure you all know his work. Right, where it's like, then out here, there's all this activity, just graphically. But it's the, the, the placement of like all this activity against white, you know, that really makes that scene powerful, you know? Um, 
So, yeah, negative space, very effective. The funny thing is, I think when I think of Bernard's art and John Paul's art, I actually don't think simple. I think actually like very nuanced. And it, you know, I think it's kind of a deceptive thing where if, even if there are, say, you know, not as many lines on the page, each one of them is so well considered that you get the effect of, you know, of a different kind of drawing. You know? So it's, it, there's, there's sometimes, there are times when simplicity can be reductive and you don't get enough out of it. You know, if you just draw a circle for a head, that's reductive and it doesn't tell you enough about you know, what the person's features might be. But you know, in, in the drawing that you had done before with the shapes, you know, just a little bit for a nose and here and there, suddenly you start to get you know, a, a whole other dimension is, is being added to it. And, you know, and it's just with you know, simple nuances in, in the curve. And that, you know, that sort of stuff takes, um, I think it takes a while to get to, uh, to be comfortable doing that. But uh, having seen both of your work when you're penciling, I, I know it's actually very, you know, very complicated. There's a lot of underdrawing going on. And then, you know, and then you're, when you get to the inks um, and when you're finishing it, stuff gets paired away. That's a good point, because I think comics, like traditionally, there's an iconography in comics that goes back years that, you know, is about simplifying that iconography. You know, we understand, you know, sort of comic book language that an eye is drawn this way, you know? And I think, personally, I feel like that iconography loses um, its power, because just by repetition. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about when you say it's reductive, you know? Um, but the simple stuff that draws on, on nature, on what stuff really looks like, like I find really like has more impact because it could be just as few marks on the page, but it's not iconography. It's a difficult thing to try and like describe. Uh, the marks are, I guess, more, more nuanced, you know? Um, there could be just as few. I, I guess Mobius might be a good example of an artist who, who does that, um, where the, the lines are just as, as spare, but um, he's drawing on, on his knowledge of what things really look like, rather than the language that's sort of been handed down in comics. Do you think that there's a... You know, sometimes I find there's a perceived, like, detail and realism or whatever equals quality. Oh, yeah. And, it, and, you know, you get that with the audience sometimes. Like, oh, look how real he did that. Or look how, look at all the, he did every shoelace on that guy. And look at all the bark on that tree. And, you know, and, and, and so some of it, for me, does come down to, that's ah, just part of it's your, what's your cup of tea? You know, like, what right. do you like? Yeah. But at the same time, it's, uh... It, for me, it, yeah, it's frustrating. Like, oh, that's the best thing I've ever seen. And I look at it and I see like a mess of like yeah. guys fighting and powers. I mean, there's there there are artists out there that are what I guess uh, people consider popular, um, but they they have a lot of line work. They have a lot of hatching. They have a lot of there's just a lot of lines in their drawing. There's just a lot of ink on the paper, and there is the misconception, at least in my opinion, that the more ink or more lines you put on the paper, the more valuable or the better it is because the more detail it is, means meant the more time they put into it. As opposed to a page that's much more simpler and has a, uh, you know, not as many hatching and feathering and 
um, oh, that's not as, uh, you're not getting your money's worth because the guy didn't spend as much time on the page or didn't put as much detail in there. And I think that's... Um, uh, Probably spent more time. Right. And because you more, <laughs> spend more time thinking about it because every line that you put down is important. Every line serves a specific purpose. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like uh, there's the argument, too, between black and white comics and color comics. Uh, because it's color, it tends to have more value than a black and white or grayscale comic. Um, and sometimes that doesn't really necessarily hold true. Um, it's only more expensive because it costs more to print. But the value is not as much in terms of the actual storytelling and entertainment aspect. So line art, you know, we all, all of us, pencil and ink, our own stuff. And, uh, you know, and Tommy too. Um, and I think every line that you put down, there's always a consideration as to doing it. When, because you, all of us pencil and ink, do you find that some of those choices, because like Cliff was saying, you know, you'll see the pencil work and you'll see, especially with Bernard and JP, you see all this groundwork. And Bernard's pencils are really interesting to me because you do all this work on the back side of your paper. He draws and does all this, you know, groundwork, all this, you know, working out the anatomy, working out the perspective, everything on the back side, and then he'll flip it and work on a light box sometimes, and you can see through it. And then I know for you, it helps you actually get to see what do I, what's the information I absolutely need. I've done all the thinking already. Now you get to pare it down, you know. And do you find that that's, you know, something that comes when you're inking, or is it something that, you know, you really think about when you're penciling, or is it a little bit of both? It's a little bit of a combination of both. So what I do is I, I, I do all the, I, I lay out the, the book or the, each page um, traditionally, reading from left to right for you guys. Um, and then I have on my drawing table uh, a laptop with, a mo with two monitors. I have a light box. And I draw, and then I, on the computer I just flip the image that I drew normally. And then on the light box I'm drawing it from right to left as opposed to left to right. It's just a, a lot of people are like, oh, it must be more harder. No, it's just, you know, I'm drawing this and then I'm drawing this. It's the same thing. It's just the other, looking the other way. Lots of times I find that it seems to almost help your drawing. Yeah, oh, it does. does. Yeah. I know that JP, Mr. Mirror, <laughs> you still do that? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. All right, he, yeah, he, he works with a mirror so he can look in the mirror and make sure the proportions and everything are correct, you know, because sometimes something might look right at a certain angle, you know, and I do this thing where I'll, I'll hold it from a distance, you know, upside down. <laughs> but the mirror is above and beyond. Uh, um, but it really, it's weird. It's, a great it's shocking. Oh, it, yeah. Like how awful something you thought looked good. Yeah. It, it flips it and it's like, oh, that's horrible. I'm assuming a lot of you guys are artists too. Hey guys, you, I'm going to head out and go to my Star Wars panel. Okay. Thanks. All right. We, <laughs> have any of you held up your own drawings in the mirror and then you notice, like, oh, it's like, ooh. Right? Yeah. Okay. For me, the light box is instantaneous. Once I turn the paper over, I can immediately see where some of the flaws are, right? And then what I'll do is um, I might lightly trace on the front side, and then so I'm not erasing everything, and then I go back to the rough side. I can erase what mistakes are, and then adjust it back and forth. Um, and that also makes it a little bit more photo ready. Once I scan the image in, the other thing too is also 
I'm also thinking in my head, well, sometimes I'm already inking it. I'm like, oh, I see a mistake. And I think I'll, I'll fix it when I scan it in and then readjust it. Right? But um, it, it does help. There's a constant back and forth. Part of it is, I think, simplification also in process. Um, when I'm doing layouts or rough drawings, I need to have music on that doesn't have any lyrics um, so that I'm, my mind is focused on the work, but you know, maybe there's some rhythm going on in the background that's kind of propelling me forward. Once I start inking, it becomes more technical. And then I can have like, you know, uh, talk radio or whatever else on with words because then it becomes a technical application of the skill as opposed to an emotion or conceptual which requires more brains, brain cells. Yeah. Hmm. I wanted to ask you, Cliff, because your, your drawing on, on Paper Girls especially has a very immediate quality to it. Like if you haven't seen Paper Girls, it's like really simple, the drawing, but it, it just looks like you put it down, you know? Like, it, it's great. And I wanted to ask you, how, how quickly from layout do you get to ink? Like, do you really labor the pencils, or...? Uh, it, it depends. Um, what I usually do is I try to lay out the whole um, book at once, and then pencil in the morning, and then hopefully ink in the afternoon or in the evening. So I'm getting about a page done a day. And uh, it helps because I'm really... There are subtle things about the page that I'm working on that I might lose if I push it off a day or two and, and, mm. and return to ink it. So I try to do it while it's fresh and, and actually ink it probably as quickly as I can to maintain that kind of immediacy. It's not something I used to do before, but one of the things I've always felt is that um, comic book art tends to be a little too precious. You know, this is something that's read very quickly and, and you want people to, you know, to enjoy it, but um, I think we as artists and fans maybe have put too much pressure on people to do stuff that's really intricate and, and really uh, delicate. And I, I think, you know, when you're, when you're reading and taking in content like that, you know, it helps, you know, maybe for certain projects, just to be a little bit more punk rock about it and just go into it and let it, you know, um, just kind of hit you. And, and, you know, with the inking on Paper Girls, a lot of it was just sort of like, you know, just making slashes and thick lines and thin ones and, and, and trying to um, trying to make it feel organic, you know, to remind you that someone was drawing this stuff and it wasn't just done, you know, with vectors on a, on a computer. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I'm drawing another book called King, which is a creator-owned book, and so I'm doing two books at the same time. So for Batman Beyond, I'm much more meticulous because it's a mainstream superhero book. So I'll go through the process of roughing, then doing another fine pencil, and then inking. Uh, and everything is very uh, calculated and um, precise. With King, I tend to just do the rough and then ink straight from mm. rough pencils on the front. And it's a little bit more spontaneous. It's a little bit more uh, dirtier. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes you get little nuggets because as I'm drawing, I'm thinking, oh, I can add this into it. And the drawing kind of grows a little bit more organically. Yeah. Um, whereas the Batman Beyond is much more precise um, this is a different audience and it's a different book. That's really like interesting what you what you guys say because I'm working on a Batman book that I've been working on for years, and I'm just finishing the pencils to issue three. I've penciled and inked and colored one. I've penciled and inked two, but the way I'm doing this book is you know I'll pencil the book, but I won't get to ink it since it's not on deadline. I won't get 
to the inks to maybe another two months. So I've had that experience that you're talking about of, of penciling a page or two in a day and feeling like, man, I think I could ink this right now. But for whatever reason, I got to put it aside and then I'll see it two months later and it's like I'm coming in cold and I feel like, where do I start with this? At one point, I know I had this, but the drawing is like gone now. So I almost have to start penciling right. again to get back into it, warm up to it a little bit. Well, the, half, the, the separating it allows you to maybe see some minor errors sure. in the pencils. And then you go, so as long as you're not going straight from pencils to inks, but there's a little bit of a breather, right? Because yeah. I, I do that. I try to pencil in the morning and then ink at <clears> night. Right. And then I'll go run around and play basketball, do something during the day, in the afternoon, and then... When I sit back down at night and I look at the same page, I can begin to pick out certain things. I still have the process in my head fresh, but I can see little mistakes or, or changes that I might want to make in the inks. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I'm afraid that if I wait too long, because I also I, I shuffle between penciling like five, six pages uh, in a row, and then in one day, and then going back and then you know a couple of days inking the rest. I find that if too much time goes by. I tend to go back and change more things, hmm. right? And, and that also hinders, because now I'm doing right. double, right. three times the amount of work, um, whereas... I think that I forget also how much work actually went into the pencils since it's been so long ago. You know, and they're rough anyway, so they look almost like layouts, but there's actually a lot of work and referencing that I already did, and I think I don't trust those pencils because I kind of forgot that at one point, I was ready to start inking it. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the penciling is, um, for me, very just foundational work because, to me, the, the drawing is the inks. Um, but a lot of times, you know, because of the way the industry is, when you have a separate inker and a penciler, you know, the penciler tries to be as precise as possible in their pencil so that the inker uh, doesn't have to interpret as much. Um, but if you're doing it yourself, I mean, really, the, the drawing is, is the ink, and, and your pencil is the structure for, for everything underneath it. So, um, so it's, it's actually more fun when you know, you've, you've figured out your reference, and you've kind of put in what you want, you figured out your perspective, your buildings, and all that kind of stuff. And then when I'm inking, it, it really feels a lot more fun. It feels much more, I feel responsive to the piece, like as I'm doing it, like Bernard says, you know, you, you think of other things, you add them, you take other things out. Um, I mean, I've seen, uh, John, I've seen some of your pencils where you had this whole really elaborate structure in the foreground, which ends up being inked entirely in black yeah. <laughs> afterwards, you know? And I could tell, like, hours went into, you know, figuring out, like, all the stuff in there. But then when you're inking it, you realize, well, I just need this to be a silhouette yeah. and everything. So you focus on what's behind it. And there's also a key point to that, too, because there's that underdrawing. There's a lot of other artists in the industry that they have a lot of areas that are just inked and blacked out, right? But they're doing that to save time. They don't really concentrate on some, a lot of figures they, they put in all black, but they're really Frankensteining pieces together. Whereas like John's stuff is, tends to be, you know, completely structured. Whereas if you were to take away the inks, um, which were there for a purpose, uh, you can still see it's a perfect drawing underneath. Um, I think it was, so, yeah, so how hard is it to cover up that perfect drawing sometimes the details yeah I mean I've seen I've seen some of his pencils right and I've seen as, as he's inking it and then uh, 
I'm like, oh, that's looking pretty good, right? And, I, and I'm thinking, okay, you can color, you can probably, sh you know, do some, some of this in color. And then, then I, I, I look at it again, like, a couple hours later, and it's, like, completely black. I'm like, oh, man, what happened to all that work? You know, that, that line work, the, the, the folds in the, in the clothing or, you know, details in the building. And I'm like, oh, wow. Well, okay. You know, and you look at the final product, it still, it, it still stands. But there's, it's almost like night and day, too, if you can see the process, uh, work in progress. Uh, versus the final right. final product. And yeah. I, 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 like one, you know, really interesting about how you guys lay out your blacks. Um, do do you lay? I mean, do you have an idea of like how how I'm gonna have some big blacks through here and have to slow through uh, a panel or a layout rather, like a whole page, or do you just add your ink and go? You know what? Um, this this I need to push this pop this out, push this back, that kind of thing. What's the process there for? I try and not plan that much ahead I mean some there are some shots where I have a you know pretty right. good idea okay well this I'm going to try and separate this with black and in the background or in the foreground but I try I'm a little bit afraid of like trying to know too far in advance because I think then I'll start to get into a formula of mm -hmm. like this you know like, so I want to avoid that so what I try and do is just like draw it as well as possible in pencil mm -hmm. um, and then if I figure if I do that, mm -hmm. then I could almost ink it without any black and it will still hold. But I know that I'm going to go in there and, and like Curves. sacrifice a lot of that stuff. But as long as the drawing underneath is solid, you know, it's, it's okay. Um, and sometimes it does like hurt. Because, <laughs> you know, the time went into it. But in a way, sometimes it's a little freeing, you know, to have spend hours drawing something and then it's like okay well why not you know it's sort of so it has its plus and minus yeah does anyone else have any questions yeah you have guys any perspective on simplicity when it comes to color in your work um yeah I, I think with uh most recently with paper girls I've tried to um working with Matt Wilson we did Wonder Woman together and you know we because that was a superhero book. I think we had both internalized an idea of like what a superhero book should look like. And so there was a lot more rendering and, and effects in it. Whereas with Paper Girls, we've actually really kind of pared it back a little bit where it's really about this really um, muted palette, um, pastels. And so when you do something like that, I'd like for there to be less modeling. And what you're depending on is uh, color temperature most of the time to, um, to help give you uh, depth. Uh, a good example of that is, you know, Mobius comics from, you know, and, and the colors that were used on that are actually very pale, and the reason I, I wanted that is because I felt like it, it doesn't overwhelm the line art, and it's very readable, like, right away. Whereas, you know, with Wonder Woman, I felt like maybe we got a little lost in the woods sometimes just trying to you know, we would just get darker and darker and darker because, um, you know, you'd want something to push back further. And uh, it, in a way, it takes a little bit more time to be, to find the right palette for a scene, but it's worth it because it's so immediately readable. Hmm. I tend to, when I send the inks to the colors, my colors is uh, Marcello Maiolo. He's in Brazil. Um, after I do the inks, traditional drawing, scanned in, uh, there's areas that I'll fill in in color and shapes uh, on the computer. So the file that I'm sending him has you know three, four, five different layers on it. And I've also played with the opacity 
on some of the backgrounds to really push a little bit more depth. Uh, a, it simplifies things for him, makes it a little bit easier and more efficient. But also, I get my point across in terms of how I want some of the scenes staged, right? So it's not completely just a, a flat page. Sometimes it is, but there are a lot of backgrounds that I'll add shapes in because I'm thinking if I ink this, it becomes too heavy and brings everything forward. And I just really want something, something there to kind of fill up the negative space a little bit, um, but for the reader to still know it's within a certain specific environment. I don't really have many thoughts on color. Um, I, I don't really understand color. Um, I just try and approach it from a point of view of, of drawing, you know? The color, you know, should just be an extension of the drawing. That's pretty much what it comes down to for me. Yeah. It's not very complicated. I mean, I think the one thing about color, too, is like a lot of comics... Everything that's red is red, everything that's orange is orange, everything that's blue is blue, and it uh, doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Um, you know, Marcello's done a great job in which there's a lot of panels that he knocks out in different, uh, different scenes to create a, a greater impact. So you have a couple panels that are rendered, you know, within a normal setting, and then all of a sudden some, oh, a panel that's just red uh, or blue. and uh, um, it's a great read in terms, for me, surprise too, when I flip through the book after it's done to kind of see what choices he makes. And then we kind of learn and grow from each other and it really becomes a partnership. A lot of it is you have to trust who you're working with. You know, so Cliff, the guy, your colors, he's been, you guys have been working together for how many years now? Yeah, about four. Yeah. And you develop a rhythm. It's kind of like a band. You know, you're playing with certain people, you develop a rhythm with your bandmates. Although John works by himself, so... <laughs> he actually shaved and cleaned up for this. <laughs> uh, any other questions? What kind of tools are you using on your on computer side of the house? Or your desk? <laughs> um, I draw uh, traditionally, so I'm, I'm using... Uh, you know, obviously pencil, uh, graphite for um, the pencils and a combination of a dip pen uh, and markers and a brush for the inking. A lot of white. Um, and the coloring is all Photoshop. Going back to just the basic concept of simplicity, uh, I tend to be pretty confused when I draw and often make things uh, more complex than we need to be. And I really appreciate when I'm instinctively able to step back and the simplicity I can see makes work stronger in general. And you made this point throughout, but I've been trying to kind of pick up the things that I'm hearing. And it seems like, even for you guys who instinctively I recognize your art as, as having the you know, greater simplicity, the pure essence, you know, the sketch that you did that you saw from the teacher at uh, the School of Visual Arts. Uh, this is something that uh, I think some artists instinctively are more attuned with, you know, they, they understand the value of it. But I have a difficult time, uh, you know, pinpointing it's like, how do you know when to step back and when not to step back? And I, 
am thinking, sorry that I'm thinking aloud, but from listening to you talk, that it's a sort of every step of a way process. You think about simplicity when you read the script, what are the basic elements, what are the important shots. You think about simplicity when you're penciling what needs to be there and maybe what doesn't need to be there. But then I hear that even someone like you, uh, John Paul, whose work seems like just a great example of how you can take a potentially overworked piece and, and, and turn it into something that is easily readable but still exciting. Even you uh, are making decisions about simplifying on a somewhat instinctive basis all the way to the end when you're inking. You, you know, this is interesting to hear that you've seen the pencils and uh, you know, I haven't seen your pencils uh, to, to know that you're simplifying all the way to the end. So then my question is, and I don't know if it can be answered, but the, the three of you decided or were invited to do a panel specifically with the topic of simplicity. And other than the value of it in general as something that should be applied throughout the creative process, I was curious, just the three of you being on this panel, what motivated you to say, okay, we're going to talk about this? It's like, what, what were you thinking when you sat down and, and you decided, okay, we're going to talk about simplicity? Was it just a general statement of simplicity is good? Or uh, is, is there some trick that you forgot to tell us about? Like, oh yeah, break the page down and make great, and then, you know, just make the top corner black and the rest keep white, and that's a trick. That's how you fix simplicity. <laughs> is, there, is there a formula or anything that you guys were thinking about when you decided to talk about simplicity? Um. I honestly found out that I was doing this panel this morning, so I didn't plan anything. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, formula is something that I try and avoid, you know, because I'm a little bit, you know, afraid of getting stuck in it. Um, but you're right in that every step of the way, it's something that I, I take into account. Not that it's the end-all, be-all. Sometimes things need to be more complex. Yeah. Um, and, and if everything is simple... It might be, you know, uninteresting. You need the, the opposites. You know? Yeah, I think that's always the, the final, you know, accounting is you have to ask yourself, is it interesting? Is it more interesting if I take something away or is it more interesting if I add more stuff to it? So, you know, you're, not, you're always at a point where, you know, you have to look at what's in front of you and respond to it. You know, you can have like a very kind of technical, cerebral, you know, idea of what you want to do, but if it's not working on the page, then you have to figure out what needs to be taken out or added to it in order to make it work. It's like, uh, you know, when you listen to the radio or, you know, whatever, music, and if you have the volume on 10 the whole time, which is like, I guess, you know, overall, like, super detailed and stuff, after a while, it, you, your ears adjust and it no longer becomes a 10 in volume. It goes down to a 5 or something. So part of like moving and shifting, changing, choosing why you do certain things is uh, now as, I, as I'm looking at this page, I want to tone it down a little bit because the next page I really want to amp it up. Um, so there is, there's a technical application and there's I think techniques that we employ um, on a consistent basis, but then there's also the intangible that you just have to make an audible a lot of times when you go to the line and change the play. And based on our own experience, our own artistic voices, and storytelling voice. So every, everyone here, even the three of us, if you give us a script right now, we would draw it three different ways. 
If not, you can draw it like a hundred different ways. And then which way we choose is still going to be somewhat based on instinct as opposed to a technique, like a recipe you know, for cooking. I'm actually I'm really glad you have this panel because uh, now as I think about it, comic books are so complex. I mean, there is complexity just built into the medium. There are so many elements that go into the creation of a comic book. That, and, and I think there is also, as you were mentioned earlier, a certain amount of pressure for people to draw a little bit more, put more detail, put more lines. So it's just good to be reminded of uh, simplicity. Something almost that you have to go out of your way to apply because the nature of the medium probably, you know, it, it brings people to get complex. And uh, it's good to strip back and uh, not just meditating just for it's, it's good. Thank you. Looking at your work, really great examples. Um, any other? Yeah, Bernard, it was something you just said uh, that I really appreciated, this sort of the idea of, you know, the pacing of the story, this sort of, uh, there's a, a film researcher named Bruce Block who talks about contrast and affinity in film, and, and what you were just sort of talking about in the pages reminded me of that sort of theory of contrast and affinity, sort of going back and forth. And, and that design principle, so I'm wondering, you said way back at the beginning, that like drawing is the second phase. So you, do you define like design as the first phase? Is that sort of the, the words you use to sort of talk about the first phase of building your, your book? Or uh, if drawing is the second phase, sort of what is the first phase to you? Uh, well, I'll say storytelling, but in actuality, my viewpoint is I'm a musician. And I'm creating a song or a musical piece using pictures, images, illustrations. And I want to bring you up and high, and I want to take you down low. And I want to manipulate your emotions through a series of drawings, through the series of how I draw it, how I compose the drawings, and what I draw. And so tempo, pacing, um, you know, elongated, everything is really to me becomes more musical Illustration and drawing is another aspect, is, is the format. Um, but if the beginning phase, when I first read, I read the script first, and then I actually read it, and then I put it away, and I go out and I do other stuff for like a day or two. And I think in my head, what is this story really about? What are the high points, what are the low points? What do I want to take the reader on this experience for the next 20 or so pages? And also for the next for the arc in itself, and then when then I sit back down and I start doing layouts, and layouts are more about choosing the right moments and beats, and then constructing them into shapes and panels, pages that will help move that um, that aspect along. So I don't know if you guys probably have different. Something that uh, Howard Chaikin once said, I agree with completely, and he said you're, when you're drawing a comic page, your biggest concern is real estate. There's actually less space on the page than you think there is, and so how you divide that space is actually very critical. So one of the first things I do when I'm doing layouts is figure out how many panels I'm going to have on a page, just the number of them, and see what kind of arrangement I can put that in so that I can have one big panel. Maybe do I need three small ones here for a certain action or a certain you know, mini scene? And, and then go from there. So, um, you know, if I've figured out, you know, a couple different tiers and then a big panel, then I can kind of, at the same time, I'm also thinking of what, what's going on inside those panels and 
how much do I have to draw? Do I need an entire background here in this panel? Or do I need to just focus on someone's face? Because then that means I can shrink that down and give more space to another panel. So you're always kind of juggling and, and trying to manage how much space you have on that page. So in a way, I guess one of the first things I do is, in a way, design, combining storytelling. I think we're wrapping up. I think we're, you know, being...